grateful for the opportunity for that. I want to share with you tonight the vision of 10 days. Um, this is, I just want to kind of share where this came from, and then I'm going to walk you through um, some things just related to the vision that I think are going to bring greater clarity. And uh, I think they'll apply as well beyond just the, the specific 10 days focus more broadly. So let me just share the story. In 2004, um, I was really struck by Jesus' prayer in John 17, where he prays, let them be one as we are one. And I was so amazed that Jesus could pray to the Father, let human beings be one just as we are one with each other. It was actually fairly scandalous to me. Um, that phrase in the Greek, just as, uh, it's making a comparison between the unity that Jesus and the Father have and the unity we are to have with one another. Um, and it's, it's, it's like saying as means like the same, the same kind, and just as is an intensifier. Um, and, you know, when you look at it in Greek, it means exactly the same thing it means in English. It's an intensification of, of equality. It's saying Jesus is really, truly saying, let them be one just as we are one. And I was so troubled by this because I was like, Lord, how could you share this reality that's, that's at the core of your nature, you know, the Trinitarian understanding of God? He is three in one. This unity, this union between the Father and the Son and the Spirit is fundamental to who God is. And I was asking the Lord, how is it even possible that you could share this with us? It seems like an infringement on your holiness. And I, I said to him, I said, if this wasn't in the Bible, I would think this was completely heretical. But I just kept reading it over and over, and I couldn't get over it. I was like, no, this is the Word of God. And then I had this insight. Um, that struck me. It's very simple, but I think um, profound. One of those moments where you realize something and it's the Spirit of God revealing it to you. And I, I just had this insight that Jesus gets what he prays for. And that the John 17 prayer is not just a good idea, not something that when we get to heaven we'll experience, but is actually something that the Father intends to answer for um, for his son while his saints are still here in the midst of the world. And so that led me on a journey. First of all, it changed the way I viewed the church. You know, I grew up in the church and I kind of thought, you know, as a 22 year old, I'm like, oh yeah, the church is like kind of old and boring. And, you know, I, I, I was, I had more, felt like I had more in common with my younger friends than I did with maybe church people. Um, but it just shifted the way I saw the church because I was like, wow, we are on this incredible trajectory to being one. I have no idea how God's going to pull this off, but this is amazing. It completely shifted how I saw the people of God. And it led me on a journey of seeking the Lord. I was like, God, how can I be part of seeing Jesus get the answer to his prayer in John 17? So I had kind of had this insight over the summer. I never knew what I wanted to be when I grew up. And I had started uh, just responding to the voice of God. And I had started in a citywide prayer ministry that God led me to begin called the Santa Fe Prayer Net. At that time, I lived in Santa Fe, New Mexico. And so I got to the end of that project and I kind of said, well, Lord, what do I do next? And, and I was like, I work for God now. So 
how do people who work for God figure out what to do when they don't know what to do? Um, you know, if I had a boss, I would just go and ask him. That's fairly straightforward. So I was like reading the Bible and I was reading Daniel 10 and Daniel did this 21 day fast. And then an angel came to him and spoke to him. And I was like, well, maybe this is what people who um, <laughs> work for God do. So I decided to try it out. And so at the end of this 21 day season of fasting and waiting on the Lord, um, the Lord spoke to me this phrase that, that really profoundly touched me. He said, Babylon refuses to mourn. And I responded back to him. It was like, a, you know, I was like, wow, but your people will mourn before you return. And he showed me this timetable. Um, we call it the days of all. He said, call my people to 10 days of fasting, mourning, and repentance from Rosh Hashanah to Yom Kippur, uh, or the day of trumpets to the day of atonement. Um, this 10-day time period historically is really a time of repentance. Prophetically, it's a time that looks forward to the Lord's return and speaks about his coming. Um, but, you know, I'm not from a, a Jewish background. I'd never celebrated those feasts or really done anything related to them. So I knew relatively little about them. Um, uh, at that point, I was like, God, who is this for? And he showed me this map that kept getting bigger and bigger. And I was like, oh, my goodness. I was really freaked out by that. Really, I was kind of thinking to myself, what have I gotten myself into? And uh, finally, he showed me a city. And this city had stopped everything. People weren't going to work or school. Businesses were shut down. Um, it's kind of surreal being in this current situation because normally I'm like, that's the part nobody can imagine. But for us right now, it's not that hard to imagine, is it? Because it's actually happening. Um, and the, but the city was inundated in the glory of God. It was just covered in the glory of God and the people of God were uniting in prayer there was repentance happening. Unbelievers were coming to know the Lord. It was like a citywide transforming revival was taking place as people shut down for this 10-day time period to seek the Lord. Um, so there's other parts to the vision. There, I'm not going to get into every single element, but that gets you kind of the core elements of 10 days. Uh, at our really center is this idea that Jesus gets what he prays for related to his prayer in John 17 and kind of our strategy is focused on cities. It's focused on stopping, waiting, humbling ourselves, mourning and uniting as the body of Christ within cities. So um, that's the vision. I'm going to just walk you through a document that um, shares about um, shares about 10 days. Let me just give me a second to pull it up. Is this, I think this is working. Yay. Maybe. All right. So I'm just going to walk you through this document. It's called What is 10 Days? Um, and it just kind of establishes what this is. Keep in mind, I know we're in a 10-day period right now. This is talking about the fall season. Um, the spring Pentecost time is almost like a catalytic moment in some ways for us to launch into the fall where we're hoping that we'll all be doing this in our own cities. Um, so 10 days is a set apart season to seek God's face with mourning, fasting, and repentance. Uh, mourning 
has many different meanings. I like to say that 10 days is like the ugly duckling. You know, when you go up to someone and you're like, hey, let's take time. Let's stop doing all the things we, we like to do and let's mourn. That's not a very attractive invitation. And yet, um, when we'll embrace that from the Lord, it can actually be an incredible time because mourning doesn't just mean like weeping and crying, um, not even just dealing with our own um, personal areas where we need to mourn personal losses, although that can be a part of it. But it also biblically refers to this idea of humbling ourselves um, and aligning our heart with God's ways. And, and just when we humble ourselves, the Bible says that God gives grace to the humble. So really, this idea of 10 days of consecrating or setting apart time to mourn, to fast and repent, if you think about it in another way, it's about positioning ourselves to receive the grace of God through this humility. The setting, as I mentioned earlier, 10 days is based on the fall feasts of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. This 10-day time period is called the Days of Awe. Um, and um, just as, as Colossians says, the feasts are a shadow of things to come. So these fall feasts, which include trumpets, atonement, and also tabernacles, prophetically are all speaking about the Lord's second coming. So there's a really cool dimension here of, of almost prophesying and declaring um, the return of the Lord through entering into these feasts. Uh, Ten days is an annual rhythm. Sometimes people ask me, what's your, what's your vision for this? I'm like, well, we're going to keep doing this until the Lord's return. Some visions are for a time, uh, and some are for, you know, maybe just a year or two years. Others are something that you do more long-term, and this is something that we want to see happen more long-term um, in the nations of the earth. Ongo in an ongoing capacity. Um, 10 days is something that happens in many places at the same time. In uh, 2018, we had 40 cities doing 10 days. Last year, we actually had 70 locations entering into this time. So it's something that we wanna see happen in many places all over the world. Um, sometimes people ask me, okay, are you gonna send a representative of your ministry into our city to do this? Or are you going to come and do it here yourself? And the answer is no, um, we're not, because we're decentralized organizationally, but we're connected relationally. So we're not trying to build a ministry. We're not trying to build a big team and staff up a, a big organization. Rather, we, have a, uh, we do have a, a leadership team, um, but we're seeking to engage with people within a given area um, who will organize their own 10-day event within that area that'll have indigenous values um, and connect to what God's already doing in the city. And then in terms of that, we just want to be friends. We want to stay connected with people who have a heart for uniting their cities in any capacity, but especially in the place of prayer and seeking the favor of God over their city in a John 17 spirit. So 10 days is organized by geography. Um, and a lot of our church life, the organization is around organizations or churches. Uh, but for 10 days, from our perspective, we're really interested in the body of Christ in a given area. It could be a city, a state, a town, a county. And if you look biblically, that's actually how um, 
the Bible refers to churches. If you look at Revelation, the seven churches, it's all churches of cities, or in the epistles, they're all written to city churches. So we're really focused on a geographical understanding of the church, not on, hey, we're going to do 10 days at First Baptist. Rather, we'd want First Baptist and Second Methodist and, and Third Episcopalian and Fourth Pentecostal to all come together and work together um, to, together in doing a 10 days in their region. So citywide, it's for citywide churches. That's just our way of saying what I just said above, that this is for geographical regions. It's not really for your organization or your ministry, because we're seeking an answer to Jesus' prayer in John 17, something that's going to transcend those lines. It's fine to have your own organization, your own church, but we know the Lord is looking for something that's bigger than that. And 10 days is an expression of that. Our big idea, um, it's, it's probably the first time I've, I've kind of taught on this in a post-COVID world. So it's just, it's a little weird. Our big idea is cities stopping everything. No work, no entertainment, no school, no sports. <laughs> but rather, but focusing on seeking the face of God in prayer, worship, repentance, fasting, and attentiveness to him. There's two biblical examples to this, and I'm going to share more about this in another message. One is the upper room. That's what we're doing right now, right? This is a global upper room via Zoom where 120 people waited on God's promise for 10 days. The other biblical example of a city stopping is in the book of Jonah. And interestingly, those two passages are actually connected. There's 120,000 people in Jonah and 120 in the upper room. Isn't that interesting? So I like to say 10 days is the upper room meets Nineveh. You know, there's something about Nineveh that speaks to the heart of Jesus. When Jesus was on the earth, he pronounced woes over the cities where he had done these miracles because they didn't repent. And he gave Nineveh as an example of what it looked like to repent. So God's heart is longing for this, this kind of outpouring of repentance and this response that's modeled by the city of Nineveh. And I believe as we approach the return of the Lord, we're going to see many Ninevehs stopping and seeking the mercy of God. And 10 days is like a strategy to kind of move you in that direction. Um, we are definitely driven by Jesus' prayer in John 17. As I mentioned, Jesus gets what he prays for. Um, and we do this in two ways. Whenever there's something that only comes from God and you can't do, to me, that moves us to the place of prayer. Moves, moves us to seeking God's face. So we can't make Jesus' prayer come true in our own strength. We need the power of God. And so that moves us to the place of prayer. Uh, but it also moves us to what I call horizontal intercession, where we're interceding with people. We're laying hold of them. We're inviting them to come together. We're saying, hey, let's seek God together. So we're not just um, only praying and seeking God. We're also seeking to be the answer to our prayer by engaging with our brothers and sisters. Okay, 10 days is a very flexible framework. It can look a lot of different ways. Some cities do 10 days in a single site where everyone comes together in, in one place. I know last year Bridgeport had about 60 churches working together, gathering in one place. We've had other cities do it in a tent. 
Um, sometimes people have done 10 days in a retreat setting. Um, sometimes you can do it in a multi-site setting where it moves from place to place. Many people have done it in a small group context. Here we are, we're doing it in a 24-7 Zoom context. This is a totally different way as well. So there's a lot of ways you can do it. Um, 10 days is a tool or a strategy for transformation. If you've been familiar at all with some of the amazing work of God over the last years, you've probably heard stories of transformed cities, places where, where God's power has invaded, where crime has dropped to nothing, where 90% of the population has been saved, where there's been incredible miracles, even healings in the actual earth. And so 10 days is actually a tool to bring that about in your city. That's, that's one of the purposes of 10 days. And then finally, 10 days, it's a prayer meeting, guys. It's just a long prayer meeting where we're engaging with the Lord. Um, so don't make it overcomplicated. That's really at the heart of it. It's just saying, hey, we're going we're gonna to do the thing that the first disciples did. They gathered in an upper room, they sought God, and we're going to do the thing Nineveh did. We're going to repent, we're going to humble ourselves, and we're going to do it in a concerted way. That's, that's what 10 days is. Um, I'm going to just continue through here. I'm going, to, I'm going to continue on with this teaching, and I'm going to go through this part just a little bit quicker um, because of time, but I think it'll be worth it just to go through. And this document that I'm sharing, if you go to 10days.net and click on resources and then click on documents, you'll be able to find this and other resources there as well. Um, so, you know, if you're going to invest 10 days of your time, if you're going to take time off from work, from school, um, take vacation time to seek God, that's a pretty big ask. And, uh, you know, when I go around and share this with people, a lot of times I can just feel the weight of that. I can feel that people are like, yeah, it's a lot of time. I don't know if I want to do that. Um, so why would anyone ever want to spend 10 days seeking God with other believers, taking time off from their important work, ministry, normal life? Why? Well, I think the first reason is I really think this is God, God's idea. I think this is a matter of obedience. Um, you know, Sharon, hey, I feel like this is from the Lord. Obviously, I think I have a higher degree of responsibility, but I do really believe this is the Lord. Uh, one of my friends, uh, Louis Burgos, said once, he said, if this, is, if this is Satan's idea to get the church to unite, fast, and pray for 10 days, you know, that's a pretty bad idea from Satan. I think. <laughs> so I do really think this is a God thing. It's a God strategy. And we should do it because God is looking for it from us. Um, secondly, I think we should do this because it's a way to extravagantly love God. Um, in my early days, when I first got this vision, I suffered a massive burnout. I was traveling all over the country sharing this vision. And after just a few months, I had reached the end of my rope. And it was so bad, I'm telling you, I told God, I quit. And I hated the church. I hated Christians. <laughs> and I was just in a really, really, really dark place. In fact, things got so bad, I said to myself, I'm so depressed, I might as well go to seminary. That's a true story. That's how I actually moved to New England, um, was just looking for a change of scene, anything. 
and uh, seminary was a way to get out of my my situation at the time. So at the end of this season, God began ministering to me, moving in my life, rescuing me out of this pit of despair, speaking to me out of the Song of Songs, talking about His love for me. All these things that I thought were kind of weak and wimpy, He was He was really opening my heart up to Him. And at the end of it, we were coming up on the next ten days, and I was honestly frightened. I said, Lord. Last time I tried to do this, it took me nine months to recover. And the Lord really encountered me. He said, Jonathan, last time you did this because you wanted something, this being 10 days. And I knew exactly what he was talking about. I did it because I wanted to see revival in America. That was what was fundamentally motivating me. And he said, this time, do it because you love me. And because of that, and then I, he showed me a vision, and in the vision I saw that if I would do it because I loved him, that revival would also come. So, you know, I say, hey, we're not, if we approach it with that frame of mind, um, we will see God move in incredible ways. And consequently, I've seen dozens of people, maybe even hundreds, who've gone through the same dynamic that I did, being zealous for the Lord, seeking revival, and suffering a burnout. And so I think it's really important to guard our heart that we're doing this to please our Father who loves us, who wants revival more than we do, not um, you know, to somehow twist God's arm into, into releasing something that he's hesitant to give. Um, I think we should do 10 days because God's promises in Scripture are absolutely ridiculous. And as I shared earlier, when we're reading something in the Word and we're seeing ourselves falling short, there's kind of two options. One, we can lower the word to our level of experience. Or two, we can try and raise our experience to the level of the word. And one of the key ways we do that is through desperate, concerted seeking of the Lord. And because these things he wants to do in us are unity things, they're together things, we, it's not enough to just seek him on our own. We need to seek him together. Um, to fulfill his outlandish promises, his, his amazing promises. And I get into some of these here. This is kind of our main prayer focus for 10 days. Um, you know, as I shared earlier, 10 days is a vehicle for city transformation. That's another major reason. Uh, Louis Burgos is going to be sharing in a couple days some testimonies of 10 days that are really, I would say, transformational. And you're going to see some of the power that happens when believers unite to seek God and just clear their schedules um, to give him first place in their life. We should do 10 days because it's personal to us. Um, you know, in the parable of the wise and foolish virgins, there are 10 virgins, but only five of them have extra oil. Five do not. And, and importantly, this oil is not transferable. Um, the wise can't give it to the foolish. So from a personal perspective, you need to get oil to be ready. And I can't get it for you, and Grant can't get it for you, and no one else can get it for you. This is something that you can acquire of the Lord in times of prayer and waiting on him. It's going to deepen your spiritual life. It's going to be a way you can buy oil. Um, two more points. Ten days is about preparing and beautifying the bride. Um, this is, 
This is a way to see some of these beautiful promises in Scripture fulfilled, that the bride would be presented to Jesus in, in full glory, pure, spotless, no spot or wrinkle or any such thing. And so 10 days is like beauty school. That is one way to think about it. It's a strategy to actually move us from where we are today into that reality. So it's, it's really a beautiful time of just being brought into um, our fullness as the body of Christ. And then finally, ten, we should do 10 days because Jesus is coming. He's returning. Um, and more importantly, we as his people have a role. In the Bible, we're called those who long for the day of his appearing. So 10 days is a time of watching, waiting, longing, and mourning for his coming. Um, I don't have time to get into it, but one of the beautiful things in scriptures is that God always does things in partnership with his people. So even in the return of the Lord, even though God has set the day and the hour and he knows, that is also timed with the response of God's people um, and our participation in it. So I won't be able to get into that right now, but that's a brief overview of 10 days, where we came from, the vision, um, it's, and then what it is, and then why we should do it. So I'm going to stop sharing at this point.